Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, let's jump right into the message. We are on a series called Preparing a Dwelling Place, and this is the last installment of Prepare. No, really. Really. <laughs> Man, no, no faith in the room, Pastor Lewis. I have earned all of your doubt and unbelief, so that's my fault. But uh, hey, let's get our Bibles out. We get excited about the Bible here at the Rose Church because we believe it's the foundation for all of our beliefs and values. So come on, Carlinville, Mount Carmel, E-Roads Family, North City. Let's get excited as we open to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29. Are you ready for the final edition of Preparing a Dwelling Place? Let's pray so we can stir up faith in the room. Lord, I just praise you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Holy Spirit, I invite you to be the one to teach us and guide us into all truth. Thank you, Lord, that strongholds will be torn down today in the name of Jesus, that the light of God will shine in the darkness, and the darkness will not be able to overpower it. So, Lord, I give you praise for everything that happens and give you freedom and yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about five phases of the dwelling, of dwelling with God or abiding where God is. I want to start reading in verse 42. It says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The first of the phase, five phases is enter, enter at the door. What did we say the door was? The door was Jesus and Jesus is the word. So then the door that we enter through to dwell where God is on any situation is the word of God. Where God dwells theologically in any situation, on any subject, the word of God is the door. I want to make sure and encourage you with this thought before I move on, and then I will run through the rest of them, I promise. But I want to make sure we understand this important principle that we have to avoid leaning into or resorting to experiential-based theology. Now, that sounds like big words, but all that means is this is what happens too many times in our life. We yield to or resort to experiential-based theology. What that means is like the Bible says this about my situation, but I'm experiencing this, therefore the Bible must not mean what it says. That's what happens. The Bible says this, but I experience the opposite. So therefore, when we have this gap between what the Bible says and what we experience, we have to do something with that gap. Here's the two options that usually happen. We either say, evidently the Bible doesn't mean that literally, so we begin to massage the Bible to match our experience. We defend our the validity of our experience and we sacrifice the validity of the Bible. Or we defend the, the validity of the Bible and we challenge our experience to match up with what the Bible says. This is what we're talking about when you say go through the door of the word. Everything we do has to be based on what the Bible says. That's the door. So now let's go through the rest of them. This shall be uh, continuum through the meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you. That's number two. That's engage. Meet him at the door. 43, and there I'll meet with the children of Israel. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. That's the encounter where we encounter the power and the glory of God. I'm not talking about any of that. We got to move on. Verse 44, so I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me. That's stage four or phase four. This is the evacuation phase where we 
evacuate the things that are not of God, the values. Last week, watch last week, you're like, I don't know any of this stuff. Where have you been? (laughs) Get on YouTube or on our website and you can catch up with us. Let's go to the, the final phase five. Verse 45, I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will be their God. And they shall know, everybody say no. no. The fifth phase is endure. It's about dwelling to know. And here's what he says. He said, I'm going to dwell among them, the children of Israel. They shall know that I am the Lord. That word know is the Hebrew word yada. And here's what it means. To reveal or to cause someone to know something through instruction and experience. Both of those are important. God's saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know me through instruction and experience. Not just instruction alone, but through instruction that leads to an experience with him. An experience with him does not negate the validity of the instruction. It says that the Bible, the instructions of the word of God is to point us to a person, not to a theory alone. Christianity is not supposed to be conceptual intellect unto itself. Well, I just want to know more about the Bible. That's great. I can know this book inside and out and never know the person. That's what happened with the Pharisees. They knew the Torah. So what he's saying is I want you to know me through instruction and experience. So important. That's how we're going to know him. So now he says, then, then he goes on. That I'm the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. That word dwell means to inhabit, to live in, to abide, or rest in, to remain. He wants to dwell there. He wants to dwell among us. What does the word among means? It means literally to sever or to bisect something right down the middle. Gives the imagery to Genesis chapter 15 when God was making a covenant with Abram, and he instructed Abram to cut the animals right down the middle in two pieces. And then it says, God came as a, as a, as a flame and a smoking oven and began to walk right between in the middle of these pieces of animals. Genesis chapter 15, you can read it. So what is he saying? I want to dwell in the center, in the core, in the very middle of your life. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and women. Men's not gender specific there. You could use the word mankind. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Wow. From Genesis To Revelation, the plan of God was to dwell with us. He wanted to be right in the middle of your life. He didn't come so he could be some agnostic, far-off God up in heaven that doesn't care about your petty life. No, he wants to be at the core, the center of what you're doing. He wants to be right in the middle of your job. He don't want to be, well, I'm up here. I really got busier things to do, more important things than... No, I want to be in the center of your life. So we want to abide in the center with him. Now here's the thing. Dwelling where God is on any situation in the center of his will is going to require endurance. That's what we want to talk about. 
A very important attribute to develop for every follower of Jesus is endurance. If I would say one of the um, undervalued things in a Christian walk, in Christians in, in my experience in ministry for a long time, it is endurance. Because yes. people come in blazing hot, woohoo! Where are they at? What happens? We all deal with it, right? We all deal with endurance. We all deal with issues that are holding us back. So we're going to talk about this fifth phase because we, we enter through the door. We discover Jesus. That's awesome. We engage with him, release our faith. We connect with him. That's good. And then we encounter him. And yes, that's incredible. And then we start evacuating all this stuff that's less than him. That's wonderful. Now what? Now endure. Endure. Sometimes this, sometimes this fifth phase is not sexy. Sometimes it doesn't get a lot of pub because it's just you endure. You keep coming. You keep staying the course. You keep trusting God. All right, so let's talk about it. Go to uh, Hebrews. What's that book? Hebrews. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And I know I don't have time to go into great depth on all of it, so just bear with me. Hebrews chapter 6. Are you ready? What are we wanting to learn about today? We want to learn about enduring. Today's focus is endurance. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. I mean, oh, that's a good encouragement right there. I'm, we're confident of better things concerning you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm confident of better things concerning you. They need to hear that. I'm confident of better things. Look at your other one that you weren't so sure about and tell them that you're still confident in them. You weren't as confident about them as you were the first one, but try them anyway. Tell them. All right, all right, let's go on. I didn't even get through one verse and I'm stopping. Things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner, for God, look, here's what happens, context. First few verses, God's talking about people that were once enlightened, enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift, tasted the good word of God, and they start to fall away. And God's saying to them, he's trying to encourage them, hey, I'm confident of better things for you. Verse 10, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown toward his name in which you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees what you're doing. He's saying, I know where you are. I know your name. I know your address. I know your Twitter handle. I know everything about you. I know what you've done that nobody knows about. He's watching you. Be encouraged today. God knows what's up. So here's what he says in verse 11. Because I know everything, and we desire that each one of you show the same Diligence, what's diligence mean? Eagerness, willingness, passion, if you will, fervor to the full assurance. Full assurance just means confidence in the truth of something. Like fully confident that this is the truth. Full assurance of hope until the what? Until the, until the end. Here's what God's saying. I know you started out well. I know you're a ball of fire in the beginning believing that this was the truth. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to show that same eagerness and confidence that this is the truth all the way to the end. Anybody like me that's ever had trouble holding that full assurance all the way to the end? 
You know how we can start out saying this is the truth, this is the way I want to live my life, I'm going to do it this time, I'm going to get right with God, I'm going to serve him, yes, I'm all in. But as time goes by, all of a sudden that what started out as confidence in the truth, it can begin to wane because you can start out saying, yes, I believe this wholeheartedly, I'm in. And time goes by, some struggles, plug them in, these issues, this issues, and then you get towards the end and now all of a sudden you're like, I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure. I started out knowing I want to give my life to Jesus, but now I'm not even sure that God loves me. I was confident over here that this was going to work out, but now I'm at a place in my life where I'm just not sure that any of it's real. We don't want to talk about that because we don't want to face the reality that sometimes we face doubts and uncertainties, uncertainties that make us question the validity of things that God's told us. And God's saying, I want you to hold that same diligence to the end, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish. The word sluggish there is a Greek word that means lazy or apathetic, passive. If I want to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, I cannot be sluggish. That's what he's telling me. He's saying, listen, don't be sluggish, Chad. Don't be lazy. In other words, it's going to require some effort on my part to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. It's not just going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen just because I want it to. He's saying, listen, if you want to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, don't be like these people. Don't be like those lazy people, but imitate those. All right, he's getting ready to tell us who to imitate. If you're going to be able to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, (laughs) don't imitate these lazy, passive, apathetic people. No condemnation. Let's don't say people. Let's say ideology. That's better. That's better. Don't imitate this ideology that becomes passive and apathetic and just says, well, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. It's an ideology. He said, but imitate these people. Oh, who are these people? I don't know about them. Perk up. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitate those who through faith And patience inherit the promises. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Check. Patience. I don't know what it means, but I don't like it. It means a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation, misfortune, without complaint or irritation. Imitate those people. Notice what it doesn't say. It does not say imitate those who through fate and providence inherit the promises. Hmm. It's not just fate and providence. I'm not imitating those. I'm imitating those who through faith and patience. So we've got to imitate. Okay, I'm, I'm just finding out who I'm supposed to model after. That word imitate just means to mimic them. Look at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after, everybody say after. After he had patiently endured. Oh, Jesus. Patiently endured. Guess what? That's the same word 
for patience up in verse 12. Patiently endured means to be patient in the midst of difficulty and opposition. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Abraham, he's our example. Let's imitate Abraham. What's that look like? Let's talk about it for just a second. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when God comes to him and tells him a promise. And he says, you're going to have a child. Any 75-year-olds want to be a new daddy? Don't raise your hand. Well, you can raise your hand. We'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. Be fruitful, multiply. But anyway, he said, 75 years old, right? 14 years into the promise, Abram and Sarah said, evidently, through reason and logic, the promise is not going to happen the way he said, so we've got an idea on how we can make it happen. They decide to go with Hagar and create Ishmael. 14 years of waiting for the promise. How many know that's a long time? If God promised you something and you're 14 years and you haven't seen it happen yet, would you be a little discouraged? Before we bang on him, forget 14 years. If we wait 14 months, if we wait 14 weeks, we wait 14 days, 14 hours, come on, 14 minutes, even 14 seconds. I'm, I'm serious, this happens. God gives you a promise if you will change the way you act and treat your spouse, then I will do a work in your marriage. You say, okay. In this moment, you make a great decision to do opposite what your flesh wants to do, and you do the right thing. You obey God, and they respond the opposite. Within 14 seconds, you say, see, I told you they'd never change. <laughs> that quick. We don't like to wait for anything. God says we need endurance. We, we don't like patience at all. We don't like patience even like a microwave. You've seen this microwave? I was, I was using a microwave the other day, and God just began to show me how impatient we are. And it, again, I love technology, so I'm not making it a big deal, but I'm, he's like, he showed me. He said, notice on this how you're so impatient that you don't even want to push cook time 100 start. No, we have to come up with express cook buttons. <laughs> we just push one. Boom, it starts cooking for a minute. Forget just that. If we want to cook popcorn, I don't even want to think about it. I just hit popcorn. <laughs> Baked potato. We don't want to wait for anything. But God says it's not going to work like that in our walk with Jesus. Look what he says. Let's go, let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah, let's go here. Hebrews chapter 10. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I like that feedback. I like feedback. Come on, talk to me. Do you feel the anointing on that? Preach, preach, yes, in Jesus' name. Mm, you felt it? Oh, hey, hey. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just kidding. You guys good? That doesn't bother me in the least. I've raised five kids. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 23 for time's sake. It says, let us hold fast. We're talking about endurance. 
Hold fast the confession of our hope without without wavering. Hold fast our confession. That means hold firm, to stick with it, to continue to believe. Without wavering means firm determination or resolution. We're firm with it. We're sticking with it. Look what goes on. For he who promised is, he's faithful. He's faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. I want to encourage you, it's time to stir up love and good works in other people and say, hey, come on, let's don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. One of the biggest tragedies of COVID was the dispersing of people into isolation. It's time to come back to church if you're not coming. It's time to come back. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because we need one another. We need the strength and support of relationship. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Look at verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Verse 32, talking about endurance. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. That word illuminated just means enlightened, talking about when you got born again, when you saw the things of God. After you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. How many thought this? Maybe you thought, when I give my life to Jesus, when I get right with God, everything's going to be smooth sailing. But the Bible says after you're illuminated, you endured a great struggle. What's that mean? The word struggle, it means a clash between two opposing groups. A clash between two. And this suffering means pain, hardship, or affliction. So notice what it says. Afterwards, you were illuminated, you begin to go through this great struggle of opposing forces. What is that all about, Chad? When I'm not living for Jesus, there is no struggle on the enemy's side. But once I give my life to Jesus and become enlightened to a new way, the pull of the enemy comes stronger than ever. This is why some people, when they get saved or come into church and give their life to Jesus, want to be a follower of Jesus, all of a sudden, all their life goes to hell in a handbasket. And they're like, oh, it's terrible. It's worse than ever. I know because the devil's scared. He's grasping at straws because he doesn't want to let go of you. He's scared of what God's going to do in our life. You grab hold of any truth. Say you're already born again. Don't make it just about that. You grab hold of any new truth of God, the enemy's going to come fight for it. He doesn't want you walking in freedom. He doesn't want you walking in revelation. He wants you to stay bonded in much bondage as possible. He may not be able to stop me from going to heaven, but he can stop me from being free on this earth if I give him permission. So after you illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Endured a great struggle with sufferings. It's, it's important for the body of Christ to understand that we may have to go through some sufferings. And what does he say to do with those sufferings? Endure them. Whew. It's not fun. I don't like this verse. I don't like the verses I'm going to read, but he's telling me I want you to endure them. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, 
For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession, an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. No matter what I'm going through on this earth, I have to be encouraged that I have an enduring possession in heaven. I have an enduring possession that cannot be taken away from me. Be encouraged with that. Therefore, because of this enduring possession that you have in heaven, therefore do not, do not, do not cast away your confidence. Do not cast it away. What does that mean? That means that don't throw it away. Don't, don't, don't release it. Keep hold of it. That I'm, I'm confident of what God's going to do. I'm, I'm holding on to my statement of faith. I'm holding on to my confession. I'm I'm not losing it. I'm not casting it away. Which has great reward. Look, verse 36. For you have need of endurance. Look at that word endurance. Here we go. The word endurance here is a Greek word, hupomone. Hupomone. It means capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Now, the word endured in verse 32 is a similar word, it's hupomeno, and I know it doesn't matter in how you pronounce it, but I'm just making a distinction. You endured a great struggle in verse 32, he says, and that word means to continue to bear up despite difficulty and suffering, to hold one's ground, to face or withstand with courage. So I'm going through adversity. He said, I want you to withstand with courage the struggle and the sufferings. I want you to hold up. I want you to hold your ground and do not back up. I want you to do that. So then now he says in verse 36, you have need of endurance. Hupomeno, different word. Similar meaning, different word. This word means to increase your capacity. Increase your capacity. To bear up under difficulty. Here's something the body of Christ needs. He said you need. You have need. It's necessary for you to increase your capacity to hold up under difficult circumstances. Whenever I think about giving up and quitting, and I would think we probably all do in some form or fashion. Happened this week when the enemy tried to bring up list name after name after name or situation after situation after situation where things didn't go the way I wanted them to and the thought kept coming to my mind, when are you going to quit? Are you done yet? How much more proof do you need? Maybe you don't have these kind of thoughts. But it attacks me on the regular to try to get me to shut my mouth. To cast away my confidence. And to say, maybe you're right, maybe it's not true, comes. He said, listen, Chad, if you will hold up in struggle and suffering, every time you hold up under another one and you keep coming and you don't back down, every time you do that, you increase your capacity to endure. We don't increase our capacity to endure by avoiding problems. We increase our capacity to endure by going through problems. You're like, well, I don't want that. I don't either. I'm not asking for it. 
I'm just saying he's telling us, endure. Because look what he says. Look at verse 37. For yet a little while, a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. That's talking about Jesus coming back again. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, here's what draws back means. Draws back means to shrink back, be timid, to give up, to stop doing something of positive value because of fear or adverse circumstances. If anyone, this is God talking, if anyone, the just shall live by faith, you got to live by faith. What's faith? Faith means I can't see it, hear it, taste it, smell it. I'm believing something that I can't see in the natural. I'm even talking about God himself. Forget about application in certain areas. I can't see God. I can't, I have never seen Jesus with my own eyes. I'm giving my life to something I've never seen. I could be a buffoon talking about some creator that nobody's ever seen. But I know him even though I've not seen him. This is what he's talking about. We're supposed to live by faith, but if anyone draws back, okay, here, here we go. If anyone draws back, that means to shrink back, be timid, give up, to stop doing something. If anybody shrinks back in timidity and fear and stops, if they, if they pull back at the time of difficulty and struggle and pain, if they draw back, God says, my soul has no pleasure in them. Hear me, friends. God is saying, I don't want you to be timid, to back up, to quit, to let off. No matter what you face, I want you to keep coming. Look what he says. My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We are not of those who draw back. But we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're not of those who draw back. We're not of those who quit and give up. We're not of those who let up. We're not of those who throw in the towel and say, God, it's too hard. We say, God, I don't understand. It hurts. I'm afraid. I'm a little bit confused. But I still trust you. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to stick with you until I die. Till the end. I'm with you to the end. Endurance is a challenge. Let me close with this story. Friday night, Lucas and I went, and uh, we had to get some stuff, and we stopped by, and one of his favorite things, get his Lego sets. Of course, one caught his eye as a John Deere tractor. Glee and excitement from an eight-year-old. Had a trailer behind it on the box in the picture, and it's a certain type of Lego set. It's, I can't remember. He knows. But. So you look at the box, and you're like, oh, that'd be fun. Until you take it out of the box. <laughs> so we get home Friday night. He says, hey, let's get started on it. You get out the manual, and you have all these little bitty pieces that look nothing like the box. And you have this manual. Step one, 
put this piece with this piece. I'm thinking, this is going to take forever. <laughs> Finally, Lucas even comes to me and says, Dad, can we go to bed? I'm like, praise the Lord. Yes, we can. We go to bed. Get up the next morning. First thing he says, hey, Dad, we get to start building the Legos. I'm like, yeah, we do. So I'm, I'm, I'm in on it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, all right, we're going to get it put together and we're going. He's putting pieces together. I'm, I'm helping him know where they go. And, and so then we're doing things and, and I get in the project and pretty soon I, I come up for air and he's nowhere to be found. I'm like, I'm, I'm working on this trying to take these pieces that don't look anything like that by themselves, it's a process that I'm trying to endure because I'm excited about the end result and he's nowhere to be found because he couldn't endure. Did you see where we went there? I found him on an iPad watching a video. Yeah. He became sluggish. He did. He didn't want to endure the process of putting the pieces together. He wanted to be entertained instead of give effort. Come on. Is, is it hitting us home yet? We want, God, you just do it. Because I represent the Father who's committed to the project. I'm following the manual. But my son got bored with the process. Didn't like the struggle that he was suffering with. And said, I'll go do something else. It'll probably never look like that. But the Father knows that if you stay with it, it will become what it says it will become. This is why we commit our life to following the process. We endure. Pretty soon, I'm here at the table working. He comes in. Hey, Dad, you done yet? <laughs> Pull up a picture. I think I got this for the sake. This is the finished product. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea how many little pieces. I'm talking pieces that size. You don't have any idea how many little pieces God's putting together in your life every single day. Every day there's a little piece. You think, oh, that's no big deal. That's not significant. Why have I get my, my pray today, my devotion time? That's no big deal. It's a piece. I don't think I'm going to come to church today. I mean, it's just missing. There's no big deal to miss church. I can just watch online. It's a piece. Every piece 
every piece has a right way to go, a wrong way to go. And if we don't trust the Father and we don't follow the instruction, then somewhere along the lines, we try to put something else together and now it doesn't fit. And I had to take some things apart and redo them. Sorry, sorry, I had to. But don't we do that? Don't we do that? So I felt like what God was saying to us today in this process, you know, because he, he didn't want to put in the time to put it together, but after we got it done and it looked like that, he was playing with it. He loved it. Oh, he was having such a good time. And the father knew, son, if you'll stay with me, you'll get to play with it. But right now, there's some things that are hard. There's some tedious things we got to walk through, but if you will trust me on this, we'll get there eventually. So I don't know what you're enduring right now, but I hear the Father telling you, if you will stay with him, if you will trust him and endure the struggle and the hardship, the disappointments, the difficulty, if you will just stay with him, he will turn ashes into beauty. He will work all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.